I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian, and I am excited to have you here today. We are going to be continuing our conversation in our Leadership Sense mini-series, I guess you could call it. I will be sitting down once more with Tom Shin and Joel Monaco. Previously, we talked about how leaders can protect their team members and whether they should lead with influence versus leading with fear. Today, we're going to be talking about how leaders can protect themselves and their careers in such turbulent times. I think this is the perfect message for right now, and I can't wait to dig into it. So let's jump in with Tom Shin and Joelle Monaco. So today we're going to talk about really building and protecting your career, especially as a leader. So I'm really excited to talk about this. We've talked a lot about how leaders can help the people that work for them, but let's talk about how they can help themselves and really build their careers to become more valuable. Tom, let me throw this out to you. What's the best way for leaders to make themselves irreplaceable? Uh, Joel, we were talking about this, about leading by example, right? Uh, in a separate conversation. So I think that's it. Those leaders who lead by example and continue to do those things will continue to thrive and show value. It's how they operate. They're always the one that's first to jump into the pond, per se, um, to show their folks how to fish, if you will. Uh, I think continue to be your natural self as a leader so that way your organization, under any circumstance, know that you're, you know, relatively speaking, unflappable. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's, you know, being able to learn, be creative and kind of pivot as needed, which we're seeing right now. You know, a lot of leaders are not going against the tide, but leading with it. And that really shows their, you know, their commitment to their corporation, their organization and their teams. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't recall who said it right now, but it goes along the lines of calm seas do not make for a skilled captain. So yep. for a long time, it was all right to, we were in pretty calm seas. So it was fairly, I don't want to say easy, but managers and leaders were not tested like they have been in the past few months. And so I think any thought about making yourself irreplaceable, making yourself a cornerstone over the future, sort of brings with it the ability to lead through crisis and the ability to just not be great when it's relatively easy, but to be able to step up when things are difficult. And we've all seen on the news, even at high levels, leaders who have just done an amazing job during crisis. And then we could probably all rattle off companies where they just put their foot in their mouth or did the wrong thing. And it's really taken a toll. So I think the ability to do that at every level is going to be really important as we go forward. 
And so this sort of answers the next question that I want to throw out to you, but let's break it down a little bit further. What skills do leaders need to be developing right now? I'm going to jump in here. I think, you know, really building the skills to train their teams in trust. Um, and how do you delegate? Um, one of the things I always say is if you're always executing, there's no time for your personal development. So if you're going to continue to develop, you have to first learn how to train and trust your team and delegate and really play to a strength-based team so that you do have the time to develop. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, managers and leaders get put put in um, a place of leadership based on their skill and ability, but they're missing that opportunity to take the time to train. So building a team that you can really trust and that you can delegate to allows you that time to really build up your skills. So it's kind of a twofold to keep training. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I, I think of it from the standpoint of the leader leading the team, but ultimately that leader also needs support. So as much as we preach, teach them how to fish so they can feed themselves for a lifetime, the leaders also need to have that opportunity to learn how to fish in new waters, whether it's rough seas or out in a prairie <laughs> land fish. <laughs> we'll make something up here. Um, but they have to create opportunities. Maybe it's finding a new mentor, uh, finding somebody to lean on to brush up on that next level skill. And if the person they've been going to for this stuff isn't bringing that to them now, then maybe it's time to add a secondary person. I would just throw in there something that we referenced in our episode about anxiety and productivity. I think right now the ability to have emotional intelligence has never been higher. The ability to really to people not just on a quote-unquote boss employee level but that emotional level trust as Joelle said and I think with that comes the ability to have tough conversations I was just speaking with somebody last week and she was telling me what she really sees out there right now and a lack of people who are willing to have tough conversations and when they aren't willing to have those tough conversations that means they aren't having those conversations at all. And people start to interact under false pretenses. And it can really mushroom out of control or spiral out of control, I think is probably the right analogy. So those are a couple of the skills that I would throw out there. Yeah, I think the piece to add to that, Brian, would be to make note of the times where that leader says, but I was too busy, or but this. That piece of communication needs to be a trigger that, oh my God, I just swore I need to put a nickel in the swear jar and fix this, right? Find a way to not use it as my scapegoat and take accountability for themselves. Love it. On top of that, just to backtrack a little bit on the emotional intelligence piece, and Joe, I'd love to hear you talk about emotional intelligence too, because I know that's really in your wheelhouse. Culturally, again, Tom and I especially, we do a lot about culture. It has been my experience that there are certain cultures which that comes more naturally to than others. For instance, I do a lot of work with the nonprofit industry. Most of the people I run into in the nonprofit industry, they're pretty good with emotional intelligence. And then if I were to shift over to 
maybe financial services, uh, the qualities that make someone a great banker, or maybe even a great tech leader, don't necessarily roll over automatically into emotional intelligence. So I think industry-wise, depending on where you are, that you know needs to be really a primary focus. Joel, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, you're 100%. Yeah, you're right up my alley because I think, and you, you spoke to this, right? Skills and tasks doesn't equate to leadership. Um, and, you know, in certain industries, because you have certain a certain skill level, a certain task doesn't um, equate to your ability to understand your and, you know, connect with your emotional intelligence, how you react, how you respond, how you engage people. And ultimately, we know employee engagement is what drives success. And there are certain industries that are much more aware. And it's a lot of times because they're doing outward work, they're working with that person to person. But in some of the industries, like you said, you know, financials um, or just on the backside of the business, I see that a lot of times where the front facing uh, staff has a higher level of emotional intelligence, is more aware, but then maybe the operational piece is a little bit more closed off. And then how does that create an organizational culture where it's consistent too? So I think you also have to think about that. How is it across your entire organization, just not on one side or the other? Yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying. The emotional connection and the awareness of it from one manager to another really relates to their team. So we'll use the accounting team. It's a good one. <laughs> we always kind of be very focused and, and not all of them are. We know some that are very gregarious and outwards, but uh, they are very number centric, very fact-based. Brian will say they're sage folks. Uh, but then you jump into the customer service of the sales team and boy, there's the chatterboxes. They'll talk to you to their smile, just hurts their face. And it's just a whole nother feeling to be in touch with one versus the other. On an island, you put one on one, they're great. You have one team versus the next, probably as a collective, they're probably good on a softball field. You put this group here and that group there and they'll figure it all out. To try and mesh that all together today, being in tune with the home level stuff that's going on, not only from the COVID stuff, but also the societal things that we're seeing. And now melding that in the workplace is just, it's got my brain just spinning. And I don't, I don't know that any one person has the answer on how to address all that other than get out there and talk and care and listen. What skills have you seen leaders develop during this time? I guess we already talked about this, what they need to be developing, but how, does this, how do the skills that leaders develop right now set the tone for tomorrow and beyond? Um, I think a lot of this uh, leadership tone and the example that you set now is really going to exemplify what employees, engagement, consumers think of the business. I think right now in a time of a lot of uncertainty, uh, for leaders to admit, you know, we don't know where we're going and being transparent of here's how we're going to get there and we'll do this together, I think really gives that com uh, confidence, but also that open communication that employees and consumers thrive on. And given our time, right, we know there's so many choices, especially in the capital region, but also globally. We're a global economy. Um, so leaders, I think the tone and the precedence and the um, image they portray 
and how they're working collaboratively, I think will also not only retain, engage the employees they have, but attract new talent that, you know, they're actively seeking in most cases. I was writing that same exact conglomeration of words, Joelle. Sorry. Took it right out of my mouth. (laughs) I guess the, the only thing I would really add to that is that sense of mostly calm. Certainly leaders exhibit, exhibit stress they, and they come out of that, but there's that calm under fire, calm under stress to be able to carry their folks forward, whether or not they know the answer. Not everybody expects everybody to know every single thing, but it's realizing what you know, realizing what you don't know, and realizing what you don't know you don't know, and letting your folks know, I'll find the answer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about things that leaders can be doing and the way they maybe present themselves. Uh, we didn't set the stage really at the beginning of the podcast, but I'd like to sort of do that now. As we are recording this, unemployment is, I don't know, time you you probably know the answer to this, but as high as it has been in a long, long time. People are legitimately worried for their careers. So if you are a leader, say you're in a management role somewhere in an organization, what are some steps to consider when repositioning your resume and work history? Well, since that's a bit more my ballywick, I'll go first. I talked to a lot of leaders who were displaced over the last few months, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. It, it's nature of the beast with business. These things happen. It's not you know, out of any bad actions on their point. It's just these companies have to do certain things to keep their business running. You know, you can read all the business case studies about layoffs and how valuable they are and do the company succeed and so forth. But we're, we're in uncharted waters. And so when a leader has to reposition themselves or at least think about that, my advice to them has always been to really digest all the things that you've done. We take for granted if we're in an industry for a long period of time, five, 10 years of doing the same thing day in and day out, same language, same verbiage. You call a report something, a TPS report. You call uh, a certain weekly meeting, a SIM meeting, or what have you. It's really hard to get out of that routine and speak English again. So it's taking that person digesting what they did functionally, how they boosted folks up. I try to talk to them about what did you do to raise the bar for yourself or for others so that way those leadership qualities can come out. They'll think of it. They'll come up with the examples. They'll put it in the resume. We'll fine tune it a little bit and they'll be in a better position to have those questions and answer sessions in an interview setting when they get to that next stage, whether it's internal or external. Yeah, I mean, I can speak more from the, you know, the internal piece of, you know, just the human aspect of it. But I think, you know, yeah, to Tom's point, you know, people are getting laid off, furloughed, you know, due to business needs. But I think it also serves a great opportunity for some people to take a step back and reassess where do they want to go? What do they want to do? Were they in a job just because it was convenient and it's what they've always done? But is there something that they're more passionate about? And I've been having some conversations with colleagues and, you know, community members to really, you know, utilize this time as something that is a unique opportunity. While it, it may be a setback, obviously, getting laid off or furloughed, but it also presents itself an opportunity to say, okay, where have I been? 
what I really enjoy doing and where do I want to go? And then you can partner with Tom on the interview questions because I wouldn't ask me them. Uh, But, you know, I think sometimes taking a step back and being okay with the uncomfortable because how many, you know, individuals would leave a great job, um, maybe not doing exactly what they wanted, but it was a job. And I think some people are given that opportunity now to really, really explore what's their passion, um, what type of business or organization really makes them feel like every day they want to get up and go to work. So I'm kind of taking the other aspect of this and looking at it as a half full opportunity too. I do quite a bit and have done quite a bit of career development training and speaking just did one a couple of weeks ago for a local group of young professionals who wanted to talk about the future. And I can tell you one thing from doing dozens and dozens of these. Of all the people that come into that meeting, most of them will be engaged during the session, but it is a small, small percentage of people who will actually walk away from that session and do something. Most of them like it as a concept, right? They like building the resume up as a concept. They like the opportunity of, or the thought of greater opportunities as a concept. But it's just a rule of human nature that most people will walk away and say, that was great. And they will go back to riding out the routine of day by day. But there's always Mm going to be a small portion of people who just take it and then just go wild with it. And they realize that one of the great things about living in 2020 is there are enough very inexpensive or free resources out there for anybody to learn anything. And if they take the initiative to do it, if anybody wants to take the initiative and has the self-discipline to do it, there's almost unlimited ways for somebody to pad their resume, to pad their LinkedIn profile, to put really, really interesting, (laughs) interesting highlights under their resume. And uh, it's just what I would like to throw out there for anybody that's out there listening. Just realize you have the opportunity to do this. No one's holding you back from going and becoming what you want to become or learning what you want to learn. And I think Brian said a great point, too, right? Because now we talk, I think all of us probably talk about this all the time, not to worry or take classes or do your resume when you need it keep it up to date all the time because you never know who's looking or what opportunity might present itself either. Absolutely. Any more, any last thoughts on that time? Cause I know this is really your wheelhouse. Yeah. I, I, I love where you went there with the opportunities to learn. And another friend of mine pushed me on some things. This is going back a couple of years, but it's, it resonated with me because it started out, we talked about in, in one of our discussions, the workout part, you know, put the shoes and shirt by the foot of the bed. So you get up and get going in the morning instead of procrastinating it, but it's the same philosophy. If you want change to happen, what's in the way? How is it going to be easier for you to take that first step so you start? As, I, as we were talking before about Newton's law uh, of momentum, you know, an object in motion stays in motion until it's acted upon by another body. Uh, so when you look at that sense, if there's some inkling of wanting to do something, what's in that path? And then what else? And then what else? And then what else? Now, what are you going to do? And so you get to those trigger points and that small sliver becomes a slightly bigger piece of cake that you probably shouldn't have been into because now you got to go back to the gym. But it, you get the, the, the analogy there where the more you do, the trickle effect is that you had the time. You were choosing to sleep later, talk more on the phone, 
whatever it is, but you have the time. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of the opportunity to do something because you can now. Absolutely. And so let's take a moment to look at it from the other direction. If you are the one out there, you've got a good resume, you've, you're, know you're ready to take that next step. What are some things to look for from your employer or potential employer to make sure that you land in a desirable and positive work environment for yourself? Well, I think that there's a lot of great employers around this area and how far this broadcasts. I'm sure they're there too. We look at things about the verbiage that a company has on their website. What does their career page look like? What sort of philanthropy do they get into? What are their people doing outside of work? The more human and transparent that organization can be about who they are as an identity and their brand and their values, and they make that apparent to new people coming into the organization, the more attractive they are. They let folks know that, yes, we do great things and we're proud of it and we encourage it versus other companies who just, they don't brag enough. And they do, they all do great things, but they don't brag enough. They don't give themselves credit. And I talk to candidates about this with their resumes too. You said you did this. Why isn't it on your resume? Same concept. Brag about your organization. Brag about the things that you did last summer. Brag about the time where you tried to do a three-legged race and Susie fell on her face and John tripped over and broke his nose and nobody really got hurt, but everybody laughed and had a good... Brag about those instances because it shows the humanity in it all. And today, more than ever, we need to see that. I always say make a list of the things you're looking for. Like take a real step back and dig deep. Like what would you want in your employer? And think about it and make a list to hold you accountable. Because I know like many others, I can get distracted by shiny things or something. And then I lose track of that value. And to Thomas point, looking a little bit deeper. Because yeah, some we have really great employers locally. And don't let that be a distraction. Right now, we're in a unique time where people are realizing they can work from anywhere and you can work for any business you want um so really don't let distance or i think you know with the region that you're in also limitate you know the type of business or the type of industry you want to go into if it's not here in the capital region think of a creative way to get engaged um and really stay true to those core values because if you don't get distracted and you choose a company for the right thing, you're going to feel passionate every day when you go to work and you're going to be able to really bring your best foot forward and play to your strengths, right? Exactly. One of the examples I use often is Patagonia, the um, yes. outside products company. One of the things that they look for in their employees and they really make mandatory in their employees is the ability to take a day off every couple of weeks and go do something outside. Right. They want to see you out there fishing or hiking or rock climbing or something. So if you don't like that, don't apply to Patagonia. So this is maybe like the most extreme example that I can think of. But just to build on your points that both of you made so well is really know where you will function best. And don't be afraid to look for that. And the other just more uh, short-term piece of advice I would give out this is where I see people sometimes falter, is not realizing or looking at job interviews as two-way interviews. They just show up ready to answer questions and don't realize they have the power to interview the person on the other side of the desk as much as that person is interviewing them. Because you are making a life-altering decision when you choose an employer, sometimes for a long part of your life. So just realize that you have that power to be proactive 
and you should be choosy. It reminds me of the car dealership transaction, right? You're the consumer, you're buying the car, they're asking all the questions. Right. They're not allowing, you know, the, the two-way conversation to go back and forth. Oh, tell me more about the and you're getting the 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 features and benefits before they even know what you want. So yeah, know know some of those elements about what you're looking for. Stay true to your cause. There's the short term versus long term, but there is the right organization for each person. And you know, if if you're a loud and gregarious personality, you need a group that you're going to fit in. And if you're quiet and more backseat reserve, you know, perform quietly, look for that group because they they're out there. You just have to do a little digging, ask your friends, colleagues, LinkedIn network, et cetera. Hey, where do you think I would fit based on what you know about me? And, and find your happy zone. Love it. Joelle, any last thoughts? No, I, I quote this book a lot, but a great book to kind of consider this and take a step back is uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. We were just talking about it with both of you, but really, you know, figuring out what your why is and letting that propel your career choice or maybe the organization you're working with, because then you're really being true to who you are and what you want. And at the end of the day, you get one chance to do what you're really passionate about. So I always say, uh, live to work, don't work to live. I want to thank both of you for the conversation. This has been amazing. And uh, I love it. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you.